This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we are enjoying a charcuterie platter. Yes, thank you to listener Susan for suggesting this. I mean, thank you to me for for procuring Ah. (laughs) the meat. This is so good. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't just sat around. You know, we go through, like, periods in our household of buying salami and things like Mm -hmm. that. And I haven't had any really in, like, a month. Mm-hmm. Oh, this feels right. Yeah, I think same. Oh, mm. yeah. Okay. Uh, so here, here we are. Um, let's let's go down memory lane. I think we should first say that these are also called like charcuterie plate, charcuterie boards is mm-hmm. what you'll find if you start googling. I served on the Seattle charcuterie board. <laughs> it's a it's a volunteer position. You're funny. Um, did you? What do you do on the charcuterie mm-hmm. board? I'm going to make you keep going with this joke. I'm really glad you asked. I mean, mostly like we're we're there to serve the people. Okay. We're, we're there to serve the people cured meats. Okay. And sometimes <laughs> like accompaniments such as nuts and mm. cheeses and breads. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, I want I have uh, some salted hazelnuts that that will be really good with this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh yeah. This episode's off to a strong start. Good choices here, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just not even talk at all. This is going to be a pure like ASMR chewing episode. I need to just eat a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Matthew, so what I recommend is take a little uh, thin slice of baguette, spread it with some butter. I'm afraid of butter, but I'll try. You're afraid of butter? What? You know this about me. You're afraid of butter like as a condiment? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. I keep forgetting all these things about you. It's almost like I don't even know you. Now, put put this on top. The prosciutto? Yeah, kind of like pave it with prosciutto. Make sure there's prosciutto on the whole thing. They paved paved paradise, put up a prosciutto. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else? And now eat it. But you're oh. probably going to have to kind of like oh, really hold on to the prosciutto. Oh, thanks. Any any more instructions before I dive in? No, eat it. Okay, that is good. Isn't, well, this is Kerrygold <laughs> Irish butter. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Like it does a little something extra with like the, the, the pork fat flavor. Which on, on Halloween, they rebranded as scary old Irish butter. <laughs> Where did that scary, come from? scary old pirates butter. This is a this is an Amster Burton family running joke that has <laughs> been running for a very long time, which is that for any anything in the world, we can say on Halloween such and such turns into like you know such, this, but like you know instead of toast, it's ghost, right? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, your family doesn't have any stupid traditions, No, my right? family has a lot of dumb songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we don't have that. Chunky Stuff being one of mm-hmm. them. That's a favorite. What was the one? Oh, Crispy Boys is, is the one I taught you to go along with Chunky Stuff. Yeah, Crispy Boys. I did refer to um, Crispy Boys the other day when we were, oh, we were making like oven French fries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I referred to Crispy Boys. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, we had some crumpets from the crumpet shop. God, I love it when you talk about crumpets. And Go I, on. And I referred to them as holy boys. <laughs> and then I said, wait, that sounds like my um, chastity-focused fraternal organization. <laughs> and things are going great. Everyone loves the chastity. <laughs> Everyone loves the chastity. <laughs> oh, everyone does love chastity. It's, mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I feel like I could be chased for the rest of my life if I just can have butter mm. and prosciutto. That's the thing. Then then we're going to like pivot into charcuterie chastity. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 This is great. <laughs> we're still recording, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I know we say this a lot, but this really is our worst episode. <laughs> I'm not quite ready yet. Mm-mm. Okay, tell me about these these hazelnuts. These are my favorite, like my favorite snack. They're just mm. premium dry roasted Oregon hazelnuts. It says lightly salted. I think they're heavily salted. I'm here for it. Wow, nice. And I got some salami for Christmas and I like sliced it up and had it with some hazelnuts. And I'm like, oh, this is a good combination. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want... Like another half slice of the Genoa Molto Salama. Itali- Molto, Molto Italiano. I just said Genoa Salama. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's go down memory lane. So I think that I first encountered the idea of like a charcuterie platter or like an assortment of charcuterie presented all together when I used to work in catering. So Sure, um, of course. So yeah, like in high school, I started working for a caterer in Oklahoma City. Shout out to Linda Tripp. Uh, Isn't not, that- not the same one from <laughs> okay. the Monica Lewinsky thing, different one. And I learned a lot about catering, <laughs> working right. there. Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember whether it was there or during my years of working in catering in Seattle that I learned about how to like present charcuterie. Okay, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, I was a little nervous because, like, I I got just got a couple of things at QFC and I was like, I'm I'm gonna like put these things on a cutting board, but I don't know if it's gonna look like a charcuterie platter and if, whether that's important to my co-host Molly. It's not important to okay. your co-host Molly, but basically, so here in Seattle, both Brandon and I used to Brandon more so than me uh, used to work for Boat Street Kitchen, sure, uh, which was like the lunch and catering arm of Boat Street cafe. Do you have a lunch arm and a dinner arm? I do. Okay. I do. I, I keep the other one tied behind my back when I'm not <laughs> using <course>. it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Susan Kaplan. Hence <laughs> your, your catchphrase, I can eat you with one hand tied behind my back. <laughs> exactly. Susan Kaplan um, ran Boat <laughs> yes. Street Kitchen. She did the catering side of things. But Renee Erickson, who is still a, a huge part of the Seattle restaurant scene, uh, Renee Erickson's aesthetic also had a big impact on what we were making. Okay, so what and, what is Renee's platter aesthetic? Okay, well, so Renee has very strong opinions about, um, or at least at the time that I was working for her, she did, uh, strong opinions about how charcuterie should and shouldn't be displayed. Like, okay. for instance, you know how, like, if you get, like, a cold-cut platter from Safeway, 
the cold cuts are going to come like rolled up like like cigars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's you cannot do that at, at a high-end catering function. You can't just like grab some some Oscar Mayer. Well, no, you can't take like you just don't present charcuterie ever rolled yeah. up. No, I, you I also get that. don't do like dumb little rosettes and things. The idea is to have it look somewhat natural but also like have this look of abundance and and balance natural so, like like a salami that formed naturally exactly. in the forest it just it just congealed yeah uh-huh anyway so for instance if we were serving prosciutto let's say we would take thin slices of prosciutto and you would sort of hold them up and you would kind of lightly twist them oh. and kind of turn it into this sort of like lightly twisted sort of like little voluminous bundle, which you would then arrange on a platter. That sounds very similar to rolling into a cigar. It wasn't, okay. though. It doesn't look that way. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, we never did like... I think when a lot of people, so if you Google charcuterie board or charcuterie platter right now, you will find like every major blog ever, including Pioneer Woman, whose brand does not seem to overlap with charcuterie yeah, board. Yeah, I, I agree. Even Pioneer Woman has uh, like a tutorial on how to make a charcuterie board. And for the most part, when you see them, they are arranged for like purely food styling purposes. Yeah. So literally everything is jammed together on a plate and you've got like these crackers standing on end and you've got this salami that's fanned out and, and you've been, got and everything's been brushed with a glaze yes i don't like my food to be touching too much okay yeah and and there is definitely a way to make like a beautiful spread of charcuterie and the other things that often come with it like nuts olives cheeses some like jams or honeys and put them all out and have it not look like something contrived for like a blog photo shoot. I mean, I think you just get a bigger platter so you can space things out more. I think that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What What was your introduction to charcuterie? So I really strongly associate this with the e-gullet era when I was like, you know, moderating this, this food discussion site and going out places a lot more than I do now. Well, you uh, were also writing for Seattle Times. I was also writing for Seattle Times, but really like the the charcuterie side of my food education really happened like on online. Was um, this this was also early in the Salumi era? Yeah, so there was Salumi, so was like deal. like, and there were then there were other. Uh, Hold on, uh, wait. We should clarify that Salumi is uh, like a charcuterie business yes, in Seattle that makes that makes cured meats and also like like fresh Italian meats mm -hmm. and sandwiches and stuff very tasty mm -hmm. and so I remember there was a lot of talk about like you know the best charcuterie can't even be imported into the U.S. things like Hamoni Iberico and uh, Mortadella from Bologna and stuff with both of which can be imported now mm -hmm. but it was always like you know uh oh Culatello was, some, was Ooh, something people talked yes. about a lot oh Culatello um and uh, and so I remember there was a lot of elitism going on, mm -hmm. but also but also I learned like tried and learned about a lot of new new kinds of, of uh, salamis and cured meats. I think I had like prosciutto San Daniele for the first time uh, uh, around then and Serrano ham and, uh, you know, would go down to De Laurenti and, and try stuff from there and Salumi. There were a couple other local this was places. When we, were, we were all learning about lardo. Lardo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Everybody was really into lardo. So you could like taste the fat. Right. Uh, um, there was there was uh, Salumeria on Hudson was a place that existed for a while. It's now Tutabella, closed many years ago. There was a place in Bellevue, I think, called Porcella or Porcella. 
Hmm, Does it sound familiar? familiar. That did really good salamis. I remember um, going and waiting in line at Salumi for a sandwich. Oh, sure. And I remember somebody complaining in line in front of me that the sandwich was $8, which today, like, that seems so sweet and quaint. And also, like, I can get two meals out of a Salumi sandwich easy. Oh, they're huge. They are so massive. Do they still make sandwiches? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I think the shop moved, but I I was there, like, 2019, maybe. We should meet down there sometime. Yeah. God, Because those are really good. Really good sandwiches. Um, They would always kind of, like, make me feel a little sweaty. Oh, yeah. And they they have, like... (laughs) Two like like two different sauces, like an herb uh-huh. sauce and a garlic sauce, maybe both of which are like olive oil based, and they put a lot of both of them on the sandwich. And, and it's then great. there's like roasted onions, roasted yes. peppers, oh, yes. uh, and a lot of salami. Um, I also learned when doing a taste test during this era that you can eat pancetta uncooked. I Did remember you know this? I remember learning this well back when Mario Batali was still a benevolent uh, figure sure. on food television. I remember learning it from Molto Mario. Okay, yeah. Um, have you tried it? I have not. I, I have. I was. I was not sold on the experience. Have you had lardo? Oh yeah, yeah. I. I mean, I had a, a pretty tasty. Yeah, experience is it, is eating really pure that pork fat. Different. No. So yeah, I should probably try raw pancetta again. Yeah. Yeah. True. So as I was thinking about charcuterie platters, I was thinking about how much. Well, when these first became something that people were blogging about. How much time was spent on like the right kind of platter or board and and, like very specific things started being sold. And the board had to be groaning, right? Yeah, it had to be a groaning board. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Audibly. (laughs) Had to be groaning audibly. Um, but no, there. so do you remember when there were like slate boards? Yes, I do. So these were definitely, I think, primarily for cheese. But where there's cheese, there's charcuterie. That's true. One tends to attract the other. Yes. Uh, anyway, so there were those slate boards that everybody was doing for a while so that you could like write on it with chalk and label what things were. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then there were... Those um, things must break all the time, right? Oh my God, seriously. Yes. I think that a lot of people maybe uh, who who got married in the early days of charcuterie platters in U.S. food trends uh-huh. got like a special cutting board with like handles at yep. the side to be able to serve their charcuterie platter and cheese platter on this board. And, and a special like like groaning circuit. Yes. In it. <laughs> what about a marble slab? Um, I like the idea of a marble slab. It doesn't seem very practical. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, what a pain to wash. I mean, it, it seems practical if you're if you're starting a cream and then, of course, you know, if you buy one, I mean, I think these days you could probably buy a charcuterie platter at, at like QFC or oh, something, yeah. right? And it would probably come on like the the shiny black plastic oh, round you mean, oh, tray. Oh, 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 you mean not just the platter, but like, but with the meats also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would probably come on the shiny black platter that, yeah. yeah okay. So there's that. There's mm-hmm. that kind of presentation. And then, so Matthew, when you have assembled, all the times that you've assembled charcuterie Yeah, platters, this was the first time. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what, what have you was assembled? Was it really? I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure, I'm sure like back in the day, like I threw together some, some salamis. Yeah. Would you have done it on a cutting board? Would you have done it on like a, an oval platter? I did really, you guys register for stuff? We we did register for stuff. I don't remember like what we registered for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure some of it is still around in our kitchen. Um, Brandon and I registered for like so much serving stuff. And this seemed like normal to us at the time. Oh, yeah. I think because maybe because it was the culture, but also because we worked in catering. 
Like it just seemed like you were constantly having to make big things for people. And so you needed a lot of like platters and like low like dishes with like straight sides and stuff. Yeah. Having said that, like we do have a couple of oval platters and whenever I serve dinner on one of them, it feels a little bit special compared to like just like hucking it in a bowl or a regular plate. In in early COVID or maybe mid COVID lockdown, Ash and I went on, oh, this was September of 2020. For our birthdays, we went, we rented a friend's house on Lummi Island mm-hmm. and you can't take a ferry to Lummi in September because there's literally one ferry that holds like 15 cars that goes back and forth to the sure. island all day. And they service it in September. So you can only walk onto a passenger ferry. Okay. And but you can take your bikes. So we took our bikes and all the groceries we needed in like a like a kid's trailer that it we sounds borrowed from some friends. It was epic. And we biked onto the, the the passenger ferry and then biked to our friend's house on Lopez. Anyway, we got there. Of course we had some weed chocolate. Yeah. And then we proceeded to make dinner and we could not, for some reason, decide which of the many different plates that our friend had available to oh, use. Oh, yeah, the paradox and of so, choice. And so Ash got out this huge oval platter and plated our dinner in little piles on this oval platter. I love it. And it was it was just part of that fun, dumb weekend we had. Our largest platter. wow okay our largest platter has a pirate ship on it really yeah oh that's cool get it down no it's cool okay i can just imagine it yeah anyway okay so yeah i mean i've i've got platters you've got platters yeah but i but i don't i don't arrange charcuterie on them ever if you were to like do kind of a summery picnic dinner but just in your house uh say with like you know some bread uh, a groaning board of charcuterie, maybe a big salad or something. Oh, that sounds great. Would your family like get down on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always forget that I could do stuff like Me that. Me too. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Thanks, Molly. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Molly. <laughs> okay. Um, and I feel like like I went to QFC this morning at like 8 o'clock, and I was like, I probably, they're not even going to be slicing stuff at the deli yet. I'm just going to like get stuff that I can get it's off the pre-sliced. shelf, like by the cheese counter. And I'm very happy with this selection yes. of three things. Yeah. No, it's delightful. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh. <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How thick do you want your meats? Pretty thin. No, yeah. Not, well, prosciutto, like, paper thin is great. Salami's, like, I don't know, like, 
a millimeter? I think this one is a little too thick. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is the Murray's like pre-sliced Genoa salami, which I think is delicious. I've only had it before, like in sandwiches. And I think it's a little thick for a charcuterie platter. I would yeah, say that, I'm fine with this thickness. This works for me. Okay. I would say that in general, I want meats on a charcuterie platter thinner than I usually would get them for a sandwich. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about what we've got today, like the mm-hmm. little platter that I put together. First of all, I did it on like a, a small wooden cutting board. Oh, and you asked me like, what kind of platter do I want? I, th- I feel like wood, wood and charcuterie really go together for me. Well, let's talk about actually, let's talk about the first salami that you've got over there because you really need a cutting salami. board for this. Yes, because I got the Cremonelli Soprasada uncured Italian salami. It's not really uncured. That's a lie. Wait I- a minute. Uncured? So, okay, this is this is a thing I think we've talked about on the show before that's just, like, a pet peeve of mine. Like, people got the idea that, that like, nitrates. nitrates and nitrites are bad for you, which is not even really true. But uh, manufacturers responded by um, replacing pure nitrates and nitrites with uh, celery juice, uh, celery salt, which contains naturally high levels of exactly the same thing. This is like— And then they can say uncured— Okay, but yeah, this is like uh, avoiding MSG, but really enjoying like prosciutto, parmesan, and and soy sauce. Right. Okay. Um, It's yeah, it's exactly that. But but anyway, so it's a Cremonelli Soprasada, definitely cured Italian salami, northern Italian recipe with garlic and wine. It's great. Would you slice a little bit more of that? Absolutely. But anyway, so this came as maybe like an eight inch long salami, maybe an inch and a half in diameter. I mean, the nice thing about a cutting board is that it's functional, right? But you do, I do think, if I, I were going to serve... I agree. The nice thing about a cutting board is that you can <laughs> cut things on it. I do think, though, that if I were serving this, I would make sure to cut a lot of it and not put a knife and the salami out on the board. That's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, nobody takes, like, you're in the middle of chatting with someone. You don't want to stop and focus on, like, paper-thin slicing. That's what's happening right now. And you have to put, like, two hands on it. One on the salami, one on the knife. Yeah, that is You can't keep one hand tied behind your back. Nope. So, anyway. Challenge accepted. I'm going to try and slice this with one hand. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. Well. Okay, so Matthew, what else do we have? Okay, so I uh, got the Murray's Genoa salami pre-sliced, which is uh, very good, and I'm I'm fine with the with mm-hmm. the thickness. And I got some uh, La Quercia prosciutto picante uh, rubbed with fennel and red chili, which is very tasty. But like the slices all stuck together in the package, it's Pres- really prosciutto tasty, though. really really should be like sliced to order. Yeah, I think agreed. And then, Matthew, you kindly set out some salted butter for me, mm-hmm. which is something that I, I think I, I got the idea from from those Boat Street days because we would often make like little, we called them Melba toasts, but it was basically thinly sliced baguette that we brushed with olive oil sure. and baked so it got really oh, crispy. Oh, I love that. And we would take those Melbas, spread them with butter. Take those Melbas. Spread them like, you know, fairly thickly with butter, right? So you could see the butter on there. And the butter was cold so that it didn't melt into the melba. And then we would put a little bit of prosciutto on top. Mm -hmm. And that was so delicious. And I really love the flavor of good butter, particularly with a more mild salumi type thing Mm -hmm. like prosciutto. Yeah, so we had that with untoasted melba, meaning baguette slices. Very good. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm kind of afraid of of unmelted butter, and I enjoyed it. Good job, Matthew. We also had tarali, Mm -hmm. which is this little... Like O-shaped pul, uh, pul, pugliese. Wait, what do yeah. we say in English? Uh, 
Apulian. 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 Nailed it. Cracker with olive oil in the dough. This one has fennel. Oh my God. If you've never had tarali, go get some. They're so good. They're so, it's a really short dough. When you say it, I mean, it's really yeah, yeah, crunchy. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're really good. And like you can tell it's like nice and fatty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In our household, when I buy them, which is rarely, although they're not terribly expensive, I think this bag is like $3.99. I think it was like $5.99. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I bought some at Dealerenti that had a sticker on it that said $3.99. Well, either that sticker was a lie or they've charged less for something at Dealerenti than somewhere insane. else. That seems impossible. <laughs> anyway, but we call these fancy Italian crackers. That's exactly what they are. Yeah, that's just, that's their name now. Um, I think we've talked about the uh, Trader Joe's rosemary crackers, which I'm sure cost less than $3.99. Those oh, would yeah. be great mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. A, on a charcuterie platter. How do you feel about things like honey or jellies or jams showing um, up here? I don't mind having them there. I think it, it has a festive feel to it, but it's, I don't, I'm not going to use them myself. I think those go with cheeses anyway, yeah. not so much with charcuterie. Yeah, although I do, um, this is definitely the same thing. I love drizzling uh, maple syrup on my breakfast sausage. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. What about, like, do you want do you want crackers or do you want bread or do you even want anything with charcuterie? No, that's a good question. I think bread would be my first choice. I really like sticking a couple of salami slices on a hunk of bread. Mm-hmm. And, like, it can be sliced bread or I can just tear off a hunk. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind being, like, wild, uh, carnal. Yeah. I don't mind being carnal. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, people when people see me tear tear a chunk <laughs> off of bread, they 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 said that guy is carnal. <laughs> that is a carnal guy. So what are your favorite charcuterie platum? Oh, platter okay. My items. favorite platums, which is which is uh, Latin for a single item you put on a platter. <laughs> um any kind of dry cured ham, it could be uh, prosciutto de parma, prosciutto de San Daniele, uh, uh serrano ham, iberico ham, that French one. French one. What is that French one? Uh, Jambon de Bayonne. Yes. There we go. Mm -hmm. Any kind of salami, really, uh, but especially like a chunky, uh, like soprasada or or other spicy, chunky salami. Mm -hmm. Okay. I always, um, if if speck, which is like uh, like smoked prosciutto, sort of, if that ever shows up, that's always kind of exciting. That is good stuff. I forget it exists, but... It's exciting. Uh, I, of course, I have to mention the Culatello from yeah. from Salumi, which I, I've never had anywhere else, but got you know like twenty years ago when is the Culatello? Is that like like what what is it? It's a different, <laughs> as I recall. It's um, so whereas prosciutto is like the like the kind of big whole leg. Yeah, this is like the, a smaller ham. Is it like the yeah. picnic ham or something? Maybe or the. Anyway, I think that it was also maybe cured. Like I feel like were they ground nuts or something in there? Like that it could always be. had an almondy kind of vibe to it. It was think, so delicate. I think culatello is like is Italian for like little butt, right? That seems right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that we have listeners who will let us know how wrong we've gotten this. But uh, culatello was always really special. But I don't think I think it's so special that nobody puts that on a charcuterie platter. No, they just like ever. eat it themselves in the kitchen and, yeah. then, and then claim they, they never it, existed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've never encountered Serrano or Hamon Iberico on like an assorted platter of charcuterie. It's always like a special thing that you pay like. $18 per ounce for. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think Serrano is necessarily more expensive or fancy than like a prosciutto de Parma. I, I, I well, think of those as being like on the same I plane. agree. I agree. Except I guess I'm thinking of 
when there used to be so Renee when Renee Erickson used to own a bar called Barnacle mm-hmm. in Ballard, um, they had a special like hamon rack, of course. you know that you fit it into, oh, yes. and then you like hand slice it with a a, a knife, a saber, a saber. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Serrano, but it was like so delicious and so special and very expensive, possibly just because it was an expensive bar. Can you slice meats with a laser? Probably. Okay. Oh my God, Matthew, do you know what I just remembered? Yeah, yeah. Wow, so 13 years ago this summer, I- Okay, so 20, uh, 2009? Yeah, I went on this press trip with Francis Lamb. To Italy, and I was very jealous. Oh my God, it was insane. I went on this press trip- Francis hooked me up with. Yeah. I do remember, I, I always feel like cringy about like big, like chamber of commerce dinners and things. Oh, of course. Back in the early days of food writing when we used to get invited to those things. The Naples chamber of commerce put on like a big dinner type thing and had this guy that was there slicing. It must have been prosciutto. But in my memory, it's Hamon Iberico, although we were in southern Italy. Okay. But anyway, this guy had a long ponytail, and the rack with this leg of of pork was kind of in the middle of the room, and he cut it so theatrically. I mean, like like he was a matador, (laughs) and the pork rack... Was, was the bowl. He was dancing around that thing with his saber, and it was so Im- like so embarrassing to be the ones who were being performed for, and sure. yet so delicious. Yeah, could you? I could want you tip that him? guy. I want that guy to come help me assemble charcuterie platters. I mean, I think at the right price, you can get that guy. I wish I remembered his name. When I saw this, um, I, th- I think his name was like uh, Il Prosciutador. <laughs> um, <laughs> When I saw like the theatrical ham slicing, it was at the Worlds of Flavor conference at uh, the Culinary Institute of America in Napa, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a Spanish food conference. And this was just before uh, importing Iberico uh, uh, ham became legal, so they did not have it. So it was Serrano, but it was a good quality Serrano ham that was uh, sliced theatrically from a from a ham. I think rack. it tastes better that way. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, the dance makes it makes it taste better. Yes, the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, if I were like wildly, wildly wealthy, I would put Hamoni Barico on every charcuterie platter. I think I've bought it once. I have bought it once yeah. as well, and it didn't compare. Like I just oh, I, I, when I it was very good, but I haven't I haven't bought it again because I think I, it was like one hundred and sixty dollars a pound, something like that. Yeah, I didn't I, get a pound. I bought like. An ounce and a half mm-hmm. or something. And I remember I was feeling I was in a very like treat yourself kind of mm-hmm. kind of mood that day. But I think that it's one of those things that I want to eat in a place that I don't know, like isn't my own kitchen. Yeah, I know what you mean. I like, it's I w- too good for my kitchen. It's too good for my kitchen. It's too good for me. And, and I need to be somewhere else where I can pretend I'm not me. Yeah, while uh, yeah I, eat I know it. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned that you like olives on a platter. I'm yeah. not a, I'm not an olive person, but I want you to have them. Thank you. Uh, specifically a green type of olive, whether like Castelvetrano, Picholine, Luke, any of those things. Maybe we should get like cer- like trained and certified as ham slicers. Like how how long do you think the apprenticeship process is? 
Um, or can you just take a like a Zoom class? <laughs> let's find out. Okay. Hey, let's find out, and um, we'll we'll let you know sometime, everybody. Yeah, because that sounds tax deductible to it me. Totally does. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we would have to get an entire Serrano ham and or one of those racks mm-hmm. and a saber or a scimitar, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Or a laser pointer. Or a laser pointer. Wand. Yeah. A wand. Uh, yeah, a magic wand. Yeah, magic wand. Okay. Um, okay, that's all we've got today, folks. <laughs> I put I put a heading that says history. <laughs> history. And but we, there is no history. We, we don't have a history of charcuterie <laughs> plates. No. Um, but I have a now but wow. So, uh, my now but wow this week is a book that came out. Hold on, a book that is sitting on my shelf that I haven't read yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this now but wow is a book. I'm so sorry to our listeners who are overwhelmed by the sheer number of books I keep throwing at you. This book. You should stop throwing books at our listeners. It's like they're getting hurt. This book came out about two months ago. Uh, so, if you're lucky, it means that you won't have to wait too long at your local library in order to get it. Or it might be on Peak Picks. Or it might be on Peak Picks. It is called Essential Labor, Mothering as Social Change by Angela Garbez, a fellow Seattleite. Angela Garbez uh, had a wonderful book called Like a Mother that came out, I believe, in 2019. That maybe? sounds right. And is a much needed feminist take on pregnancy and childbirth. Fantastic book. An essential labor Angela wrote during the pandemic. And it is exactly the book that I think uh, many of us parents have been dying for and that I think everybody needs to read because it really looks hard at the way that we undervalue parenting Mm -hmm. uh, in this country and sort of the radical possibilities of parenting. Excellent. Yeah. So that's Essential Labor by Angela Garbus. Our producer is Abby Circatella. And you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. How much of the of the like eight minutes of chewing do you think Abby is going to leave in at the beginning of this episode? I can't wait to find out. Yeah, like we we all that's all we can think about these mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh, catch up with other people who listen to the show on Reddit at reddit.com/r/ everything spilled milk. It's a it's a group of nice people. Yeah, I, I just want to I just want to eat more salamis. Me too. Well, thanks for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that's groaning to see you. <laughs> I'm Matthew Hipsterburton. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. Because that's like not even a pun. <laughs> it doesn't make it. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, this is this is nice. Let's, let's take a picture and send it to Abby. Okay. So she can know what she didn't have. Yeah, because Abby's, have Abby's not eating anything good in Portugal. Yeah. All right. Mm. Oh my god. Yeah, very tasty. I'm busy. And I'm Matthew. <laughs> and I'm I'm eating stuff. I haven't tried this big boy yet. Mmm. Uh mm. 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 I, I need a little bit more time, but mm-hmm. then I'll be ready. I'm sorry, Abby. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Mmm. 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 It feels like. Mmm. 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 I am out of control here. I'm mm. so mm-hmm. pleased. Yeah. 
Mm. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I can I can hold off now for a little while. <laughs> wow, that was just an orgy of charcuterie eating. I'm almost done chewing. Okay. Take your time. <laughs> it's okay. We've only been chewing for eight minutes. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 